Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, we're about to start with Ben. I got to turn off Yo Gabba Gabba. I'm a dad now. Hold on. All right, we're good. Your Ben Jarofsky Show for Tuesday, January 31st is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, concert listings, they talk about reefer, and so much more, including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky. Chicago Reader, ChicagoReader.com, and if you want to help out this program, you can, ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y. It is Tuesday, January 31st, and this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, mayoral candidate Cam Buckner. And now your host, not a mayoral candidate. (laughs) Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Uh, with a thought. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this baby Lincoln Yards Tuesday, and here's why. <laughs> I'm announcing my candidacy for mayor right now. Wait a minute. It's too late. Damn. So I call this baby Lincoln Yards. And why do I call this baby Lincoln Yards? Well, I got to go, go back in time to explain this one. It was about four years ago, April, I want to say, of 2019, in between the moment when Lori Lightfoot had defeated Tony Preckwinkle uh, to become the mayor of the city of Chicago should not have been officially sworn in. Mayor Rahm was still our mayor in his last city council meeting before he walked out that door, like Gloria Gaynor said. Uh, he got the city council, the compliant city council, to foolishly, and I underscore that, foolishly raise your property taxes to create a TIF to dole out money to a well-connected developer to build a project in an already gentrifying neighborhood. TIF money is supposed to help poor neighborhoods, not wealthy neighborhoods. And definitely, if you're going to allocate $1.3 billion in property taxes, you should allow the incoming mayor, in that case, Lori Lightfoot, and the incoming alderman to make that decision because they're the ones who are going to have to preside over Chicago with that decision. You know, Mayor Rahm is is off. He's now in Japan as ambassador. Many of his uh, allies in the city council voted for that deal. They're gone, too. But uh, the consequences of that deal are being felt by the current mayor. Now, I my guess is the current mayor is only too happy to have Mayor Rahm cut that deal in his last meeting. Then she can pretend like she had nothing to do with it. But here we go. Here we go again, ladies and gentlemen, four years later. and. The city council is being asked to determine whether they should cut this deal, approve this deal, this rate deal with ComEd in the last months. There'll be a whole new bunch of aldermen 
who have to deal with the consequences of this deal. And there may be a new mayor, including the gentleman, the possibility of the gentleman I'm about to interview could be the new mayor. He'll be dealing with the consequences of this deal. And I, it just strikes me that Chicago is determined never to learn from its mistakes. They just want to keep on doing the same old thing, whether it be policing, TIFs, budgets. Just Let's just keep doing the same old thing. Hasn't really worked out that well for you, Chicago, over the last, what is it, almost 40 years since Harold Washington died. But you're just going to keep on banging your head against the wall and hope that the results are a little different, huh? Well, I'm hoping uh, that the Chicago City Council comes to its senses and just says, you know what? Let's just put the brakes on this ComEd deal. Let's take a little time. Let's analyze it. And you know what? Let's let the next city council deal with approving it or not, because they're the ones who are going to have to face the consequences. All right, that's how I view the things. Let's bring on my distinguished guest, uh, State Representative Cam Buckner, who is uh, running for mayor of the city of Chicago. Welcome back, Cam. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me, my friend. So, Cam, uh, this was not going to be on my list of things to talk about when I woke up this morning, but I saw the headline, and I just have to ask you about it. Uh, a pending deal that was just announced yesterday. It's in the front page of the Sun-Times. The details have not been released yet. You heard my general take uh, on the subject. What's your general take? I think I, mean, I agree with you, man. I think the timing of this is problematic. Um, and not only is it reminiscent of, of Lincoln Yards, as, as you just said, but let's remember that the 75-year parking meter lease deal happened in 2008, uh, and Ron Emanuel became mayor in 2011. Uh, so this seems to be a gift that mayors leave um, for their their <laughs> successors um, uh, in in Chicago for some reason. I, I don't understand this. I don't understand the timing. Um, I guess we'll find out more details about this tomorrow uh, at City Council. Uh, but this is troubling, to, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, and I'll hold off on a, on a deep dive because you can't do a deep dive because they haven't released the details. I mean, that's another typical Chicago. Thing. Right. <laughs> Uh, they try to win you over with the big shiny thing with the parking meter deal, uh, Cam. They, they, I remember the daily spin men uh, and women were like, "You're going to get a billion dollars." I love that that settled in. Like Chicagoans are so dumb, they're going to say, "Wow, a billion dollars!" You know, wow, you know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, like that character in the Stevie Wonder song goes to New York for the first time, skyscrapers <laughs> and everything, a billion dollars. Oh wow! <laughs> right, that's right. And, and then it tells us it cost us $10 billion to get that billion. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that we continue to operate this way. Um, hopefully the city, city council can stand up this time uh, and push back and say enough is enough. All right. Uh, let's move on to the things I definitely were going to talk about. And I guess at the top of the list, we're going to deal with uh, the Bear Stadium uh, and your interesting school CEO proposal, which I read about this morning. And talk about that uh, and your proposal regarding with the Bear Stadium. But I got to talk about policing and violence and community relations with police yeah. uh, in the aftermath of what went down in Memphis. Uh, Tyrese uh, Nichols uh, beat to death uh, by uh, five Memphis police officers. And most of the weekend, uh, Cam, so many of us, uh, you're probably right along with us, just spent a lot of time watching uh, the videos, reading the articles, reading the accounts, and just absorbing this. Uh, you're running for mayor of the city of Chicago. This is obviously a very potent issue also. 
uh, in Chicago. Your general thoughts about what went down in Memphis. Go ahead. Yeah, so Ben, I, I actually could not watch the video. I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. Um, uh, when I heard it was coming, I actually spoke to a friend of mine who was a city council person in Memphis, uh, and they told me about how bad it was about a week ago. Um, and I just couldn't bring myself to do it. So I, I have not watched it. I don't know if I ever will watch it, but at this moment, I resigned myself not to do it. Uh, but listen, we, we we have seen this over and over again um, in Chicago and in places around the country. I was outside last night um, at Federal Plaza with uh, the group that gathered there to, to push back against what's happening. And listen, it's the reason that we have tried, and when I say we, I mean folks like me and the, and the Black Caucus in Springfield have tried to put forth um, common sense practical measures when it comes to police reform and police accountability. In fact, when we passed um, the Safety Act uh, two years ago, we were told uh, that it was not time to do that, that um, the police accountability functions or pieces of the legislation um, were not ripe, right? Uh, and listen, I'm a black man who grew up on the south side of Chicago. Uh, I've seen this up close and personal. I've actually had it happen to me, not, you know, not the ultimate fate, um, but I was sharing with my team recently uh, as I was talking to them about the fact that we probably need to disband these specialized units that have less training, less accountability. Um, I remember being pulled out of my car at, at 16 or 17 years old on 95th and Halstead, being made to lay on the ground uh, in the rain, face on the pavement with a gun uh, pulled on me by CPD because I fit a description of a person who apparently robbed a McDonald's that night. Um, listen, uh, we've got a long way to go when it comes to policing. And I've always said it's not enough just to change policing in Chicago, we have to change Chicago overall. Um, but hopefully we can learn from these things and not continue to go down the same road because uh, we're, we're, we're doing things the old way, looking for new results. Well, the uh, uh, the tone and the tenor of the mayoral campaign when it came to policing uh, up until now uh, has been one of get tough uh, on criminals. And uh, I've watched the um, the evolution of this discussion since the murder of George Floyd. Uh, Cam, where in the immediate aftermath, there's talk of police reformers. Some people were talking about defunding the police. And then there was the backlash. The backlash in part caused uh, by the, uh, the unrest and the rioting that summer. Uh, and now I watch in dismay as all talk of police reform or all talk of uh, violence by police uh, is pushed aside. Uh, and I made a comment about this uh, on the air uh, last week, and one of my listeners uh, uh, weighed in and said, you know, Cam Buckner is taking, <laughs> got a defender out there, Cam. Cam Buckner is taking a different position uh, on this issue. So I'd like to hear you address this. That's a very volatile issue. Uh, it, you can lose as many voters as you gain yeah. by taking uh, a stand, a strong stand in uh, police oversight. Um, so how do you stand up for the right thing or what you think is the right thing, even if it'll lose you votes? Yeah, listen, for, for me, um, my position on this is a, is a very nuanced one. I think it's balanced. Uh, I've talked about finding ways to, to provide both safety and justice, and, and, I, and I dare to believe that we can do both of those things. I, I dare to believe that we can have an accountable uh, police department uh, that can do their job constitutionally and, and not uh, continue the ways of the past. But I also uh, believe that we can uh, prevent violence by investing in people and putting resources where they, where they belong. I've said this before, Ben, and I'll say it again. I don't believe that public safety is CPD. I think public safety is CPS. I think public safety is our housing department and having affordable housing. I think public safety is our mental health apparatus, right? Um, and so when we start looking at it that way, we can have a more concrete conversation about how we move forward. Um, the reason that my 
position on this stuff is is uh, nuanced is because this is not ideology for me. I've actually done the work. I'm the only person in this race who has any um, experience with a Department of Justice consent decree. I did this in New Orleans. Um, I'm the only person in this race who has done that and also have you know run a nonprofit that was specifically uh, targeted to, uh, to to help young people on the ground uh, and stop violence in our communities. Um, I've also passed monumental generational legislation like the ban on ghost guns and the ban on assault weapons uh, on our streets. Uh, but also, Ben, I spend a lot of time on the weekends talking to young people in our community uh, and trying to broker truces between street organizations and young people who are mad at each other for no other reason than they're traumatized and someone says something to them uh, spicy on social media. Um, and so I, I've seen this from every angle. I know that the answer is not completely defunding po the police, right? If CTA, CTA is broken, my answer to a broken CTA is not to defund it, it's to fix it. Um, but uh, same thing with, with CPD, but the answer also is it's not militarization and over-policing in communities that have been left behind for way too long. And so there is middle ground. We've not done it before, but I choose to believe that we can get it right and we can do it with the right leadership. Were you... Um, so much of the discourse uh, regarding what went down in Memphis had to do with the fact that the police officers who were arrested were black men. Uh, five police officers uh, who beat Mr. Nichols to death were black men. Um, did that surprise you any? Uh, what was your reaction and response? Not just what uh, the, the rest of the five men, but sort of the uh, the public discourse that followed. Well, listen, uh, I wasn't surprised. And, and if you speak to anybody who has been uh, on the front lines talking about what's wrong with policing in the city in this country um you know if folks are honest with you who look like me they'll say you know and it's not just the white guys um and 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 that's what we mean when we talk about it being uh there being a culture um of aggression against people uh, the racial piece is a piece and we've got to talk about that too uh, but there's a larger issue with just the way that people see each other's humanity and the way we have taught people to 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 police uh, in this in this city and in this state and in this country, obviously, um, I think uh, the tables. I mean, the, this this one was a little different because people saw that these were black guys on black guys. Um, I think it also created some consternation because uh, it seemed that the swiftness when it came to the justice against these cops uh, was probably because they were black guys. Uh, had they been the white officers, there are people who think that they would not have been fired as quickly, and the the, the video would not have come out as quickly. Um, but listen, once again, we have to look at the history of policing in this country, uh, going way back to slave patrols and and, and the Jim Crow movement uh, and the civil rights movement and what how we got here and what we need to do to put a flag in the ground and pivot and go somewhere else because what we're doing is not working. Now, uh, by the way, the latest uh, Internet uh, gossip just shows you how our country is. Uh, where, the, where our country's minds are is uh, they're spreading all these rumors uh, that Mr. Nichols uh, was having some sort of a relationship with the, the wife of one of the police officers that beat him, as though Cam Buckner that justified the beating. But like, and people are like, "Oh, well, wait a minute! I'm just learning that he may have been having." First of all, you don't know if he was or wasn't, but like, let's say he was. Yeah. What? How does that justify? Y you know what I'm saying? How people, does that justify beating a man to death? People looking for answers and trying to find ways to dilute the, the issues here. Um, it's just problematic. I think it, it makes us all go backwards. Um, and, and we then are not having real conversations about what happened in Memphis and, more importantly, 
how we stop it from happening anywhere else in this country ever again. We're not there yet um, because we're not having these conversations in a real way. Uh, in Chicago, one of the great symbols of our attitude toward policing, as opposed to, as you were saying, uh, mental health services, counseling, et cetera, and so forth, is to take a look at the budget and how much we spend on, on policing. And I've had guests on the show, uh, many aldermen who are on the left, who are saying we spend too much, uh, and they want to hear from a mayoral candidate a commitment uh, not to uh, spend as great a ratio a greater proportion of our budget on policing. Are you committed to that general principle or do you uh, yeah. believe we're spending the right amount? Go ahead. I, I am. We're, we're spending too much without the right results, right? Um, even if you talk to folks who who uh, uh, fancy themselves to be fiscal conservatives, what I try to do is tell them this, listen, um, uh, if we had you know nearly 800 murders uh, two years ago with a quote-unquote, 50% clearance rate, and I think that those numbers are fudge, too, but this is what the mayor is telling us. Um, you break that down, that means that we're spending about $4 million per murder that we murder that we, that we, clear, that we clear in Chicago. $4 million per murder. Um, I don't know, you know, I'm not an economics professor, man, but uh, those numbers and that return on investment is problematic, right? Um, we are doing something wrong. We can't continue to throw uh, good money after bad and trying to fix these things. But we're going to spend $60,000 a year to house a young person in the Illinois Department of Corrections or at the Juvenile Temporary Detention Center, but spend $30,000 a year to, to put them in a the classroom in CPS. Uh, our priorities are skewed. So we talk about budgets. Budgets are moral documents. They, they tell you what people care about and what they believe in. Uh, and the fact is that we have put so much money in police and police-like structures and not in the things that actually keep our people safe. Once again, public safety is not CPD. Public safety is CPS. Public safety is housing. Public safety is mental health. And we got to be serious about that. All right. You mentioned CPS. Let's go to it. Uh, what caught my eye today was a press release uh, that Isabel, shout out to Isabel, sent out uh, on your campaign's behalf uh, regarding a proposal to change the name. This is symbolic. This is uh, a symbolic initiative to change the name of the person who uh, is the overseer, if you will, of the Chicago Public Schools from CEO. And that title, CEO, goes back to the days when Mayor Daley was given control. This is long before, Cam, uh, you were following politics. You were probably just a little kid in grammar school. But in 1995, uh, Mayor Daley got the state legislature to give him complete control over the Chicago public schools. Uh, and they went from the superintendent, uh, which is what the title was, to a CEO. It's like it was a business operation. And underneath the CEO, there was a person in charge of education, which is kind of funny because you would think the person in charge of the Board of Education would be in charge of education. But no, they wanted the business model because the private enterprise, they were trying to emulate private enterprise. And old lefties like me, we were just disgusted. Uh, and I thought this was forgotten, but you brought it back with that, uh, with your proposal. So explain, oh, what you what you want to do and why you're doing it? Yeah, well, look, Ben, it's, it's actually not it's not symbolic; it's substantive. Uh, with that with that title change uh, comes it triggers other pieces of the law, right? So, a superintendent by Illinois law has to have a certain amount of education, and it has to be certified by ISBE every year. Um, you know, there's a Type 75 license that has to go there, um, and all of those things. What happened was in 1995. Um, Mayor Daley saw somebody who he wanted to be over the schools who did not have the qualifications. That was Paul Vallis. Um, and he went to Springfield and asked them to change the law uh, to allow Paul to be able to run our schools. Um, every other district in the state 
has a superintendent, just like the fight, the fight that we had in Springfield over elected school board. And one of my biggest talking points to all of my colleagues who were pushing back on voting on it was that every other uh, school district in the state has an elected school board, except for Chicago. Um, and so I, what, what we did with the elected school board was bring Chicago uh, up to par with the rest of the state. If it's good for a kid in Evanston, it should be good enough for a kid in Inglewood. Uh, same thing with the CPS uh, CEO role. We need a superintendent. We need folks who have an educational background, um, who understand the way systems should work. And we got to stop the corporatization of CPS. It has left our children worse off. It has less, left our children in our city less safe. When you have someone uh, who is trying to run a school system like a business, CEOs are for corporations. They're not for school districts. Why do you say that? What's the distinction uh, in your mind between uh, a CEO, a business CEO, and uh, the leader of a public school system? A business CEO is worried about the bottom line. A, 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 school, a school superintendent is worried about our young people, right? Um, the, 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 when, you, when you run a school like a business and you're looking at, um, you know, the, the bank account and not necessarily what we're doing with our young people, it's a problem. Now, obviously, there has to be some fiscal uh, sustainability and some, and some uh, logic when it comes to that when you're running the school system. But the children have to be the main piece. I think part of the reason um, that, that Paul Ballas was able to go six years uh, without paying pensions as a CPS CEO is because he was a CEO. Uh, if he was a true superintendent, I think he would have been compelled uh, to take another stance and operate in a different way because the bottom line would not have been, uh, you know, the, the, the only thing that he was focused on. He would have been focused on the, the futures of the young people uh, who he was supposed to represent. Uh, I would also add to that that uh, he got away with it because uh, his boss, Mayor Richard M. Daley, was the, the ruler of the universe uh, back in the 90s. You ask your parents about uh, your mom about this. The, he was the ruler of the universe. He, what he wanted, he got. Everybody fell in line. I personally don't think that's a healthy uh, relationship to a city should have uh, with its mayor. You, on the other hand, are running for mayor. Uh, do you, is there a part of you that kind of likes the idea of being ruler of the Chicago universe? No, listen, I believe in collective governance. I think I believe in, in, in democracy and making things work uh, based on building coalitions. Uh, you know, one piece that I've presented in my mayoral plan uh, being is that uh, I want to make the city council a true legislative body. Right now it's not. Um, not only do I want them to have their own leadership structure like a real legislature, um, with a you know a presiding officer um, and leadership, I also want them to be able to pick their own committee chairs, uh, like uh, the leadership does in, in Springfield and Washington D.C. Uh, I also want them to have their own parliamentarian, uh, and I have the ability to to move uh, legislation through uh, without some of the chicanery that we've seen from this administration. It's also what I've called for a city charter. We're the only large city in this country that doesn't have a charter. We operate off of custom. Um, which will tell you kind of why we are in the position that we're in today. Um, we need some real rules. We need some co-governance. We need people to work together in a way that can help bring the city together. Uh, man, that opens up a lot of doors. I was just literally having this conversation uh, in another interview with Matt Martin, the alderman of the 47th Ward, yep. uh, about uh, the city council ever organizing itself and having its own like House Speaker or the equivalent of Chris Welch or Michael Joseph Madigan or Nancy Pelosi or God help us all, Kevin McCarthy. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, setting up its own. I mean, it's unthinkable that Joe Biden would tell uh, Nancy Pelosi, who would be the chairs of the House uh, committees, 
of the House of Representative Committees. And I can't imagine J.P. Pritzker tells Chris Welch uh, who's going to be the chairs. Oh, maybe he gets a little influence on it. I mean, it does kind of fund the party, but whatever. Uh, um, do you uh, you are you certain you believe in that? I mean, think about that. You can't twist arms as easily if you don't control the the, the chairs. Go ahead. Yes, but but we also know that that um, relationships matter, uh, and and the way that power dynamics work, um, you know, people do the things that make sense for the people who they represent. Um, what we've seen is is this mayor attempting uh, to do her best Richard J. Daly impression um, and, and strong arm everybody, and and then you get budgets that barely pass, and you get a twenty six twenty four you know um, passage number or a twenty five twenty five stalemate on everything in city council. Listen, that's not the way this should work. Uh, the mayor should be able to earn the vote and earn the trust and earn that power that the that the, the floor gets uh, by actually doing the right thing. And so that there are folks who are institutionalists who will say, Lord, listen, you're giving up your power. You're, you're losing the school board. Um, you're now trying to make the uh, city council be an independent body as well. Listen, I think that's what the people of Chicago want. Time's up for the old way. It's time to move forward on some new stuff. All right. Uh, before we lose... Uh our connection to education, which is where we began this conversation to go back for a while. You mentioned we should change the name uh, and the position uh, title of uh, the person who's in charge. Why don't you evaluate for us uh, what your opinion is of Pedro Martinez and the job he's done and Janice Jackson, who is her, his predecessor, the job they've done as uh, CEOs of the Chicago public school system. So I was a, a huge fan of Janice Jackson. Um, I didn't agree with her on everything, but I, I think that she really, had the right mindset and was committed uh, to our young people. Uh, I think she got, you know, burned out and or pushed out in a in a administration that wasn't interested um, in in kind of her style of leadership and wanted to do things their way. Uh, my grade is still out on Superintendent or sorry CEO uh, Martinez. Um, uh, I've not figured out yet uh, kind of where things are with him. I think it's going to be important to see what happens with the with the hybrid school board coming up here and then the elected school board just a little bit after that. Um, but I think the verdict's still out on where things are. But I will say, you know, I'm not happy with where CPS is overall. I think there are a lot of things that we could we could have done differently um, as we begin to move out of the pandemic and, and, and send our young people back to classrooms. Um, you know, the, the fights between the, the, the union and the, and the district, I hope that they're over. Uh, for the most part, because uh, I think our young people have suffered, our teachers, our parents, uh, and and most importantly, our young, our, our students. Uh, and hopefully we can put some of those old fights behind us and, and find a way forward. All right, let's talk about that fighting. Uh, the current mayor, Lori Lightfoot, as a candidate, was opposed uh, by the Chicago Teachers Union. And I remember asking her at the time when she was candidate, uh, Lightfoot as opposed to Mayor Lightfoot, would that opposition by the CTU carry over to her administration? Uh, or would, had it become personal? And she assured me no, uh, that she understands politics. She understands that people get behind other candidates uh, and they fight it out. But when uh, the election's over, we come together as a city. I'm basically paraphrasing what she told me, Cam, uh, in uh, uh, several interviews, I think a couple interviews. Uh, man, it didn't work out that way. Okay, to put it mildly, there would seem like the mayor carried a, a grudge uh, into her, her uh, tenure as mayor and has been fighting Stacey Davis Gates ever since. It's very yeah. personal, in my humble opinion. 
You as well are not uh, supported by the Chicago Teachers Union. They're supporting uh, Brandon Johnson, who is actually an organizer for the Chicago Teachers Union uh, and is a disciple of Karen Lewis. So uh, are you going to give me the Lori Lightfoot pledge that you will not uh, allow uh, the fact that Brandon is running against you? You will not hold that against Stacey Davis Gates and the Chicago Teachers Union? Uh, are you going to give me the Lori Lightfoot pledge? Go ahead. Well, not give you the Lori Lightfoot pledge, but what I what I will say, and 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 I and I mean what I say, and I back up my promises. That's why I am uh, is that you know obviously the relationship with the teacher union is important to me. Uh, my mother, uh, as you know, spent three plus decades uh, as a member of that union and as a Chicago public school teacher. Um, my younger sister is currently a member uh, of that. Union. Uh, my older sister used to be a member, uh, but now she's a principal. Um, and so, listen, uh, we fight the same fight. Um, you know, we 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 have been in knockdown, drag out fights over the things that are important for our young people, like the elected school board. And in those fights, we we won. Um, and you know, there is no doubt in my mind that once this election is over, uh, that we will continue to work together uh, to fight together for the things that matter most. Um, Stacy and Brandon are not just. Uh, folks who I think are, are are my siblings in the struggle, but I, I truly do love them both. They're, they're my friends, All right? And so, um, you know, no matter what happens here in February and or in April, uh, you know, we all need to be able to work together to, to do the best for our city and for our young people. All right. Uh, and since you, we were talking, Brandon, let's go a little step further. In many ways, uh, there are similarities between the positions you and Brandon have taken. Uh, and I have many of my lefty friends come to me and they're like, I don't know what to do. I'm worried about if I vote for Cam Buckner, uh, then somebody Brandon won't make the runoff, or vice versa. Uh, and so they're going to divide the vote. Uh, and you know, it's they have a legitimate concern. I don't. I'm not minimizing it. So, what's your response to the? You probably get this a lot yourself on the campaign trail. The notion that a uh, if they vote for you, it'll take a vote away from Brandon. Or if they vote for Brandon, it'll take a vote away from you. Go ahead. Listen, I, I never think that more democracy is a bad thing. I always think it's a good thing. Um, and, and we have some real conversations that people have to have about the future of the city and, and how they want to see it led. Um, now, one great thing about uh, the, the thing you just talked about is people are having, um, I think, intense conversations about uh, how our structure works. Um, I've seen a lot more conversation about ring choice voting. Um, and if it gives us a better opportunity to, to elect folks who um, can can do the job and do and, and be in the space. I think the fact that you got so many people who who are in this race who have worked together in the past and may have similar beliefs and ideas uh, is really because um, there's such a vacuum of leadership and people are trying to um, offer whatever their version of help to this city uh, is. Uh, but listen, you know, um, people will make their decision based on based on the things that are most important to them. Um, it is a blessing to have I think a a a breath and dearth of um, uh, folks who who understand that this city cannot take any more of the same old same uh, in this space. And listen, I, I trust that the people of Chicago uh, will do the right thing. Uh, we, we've we got a track record of, of, of doing the wrong thing first and then doing the right thing. And we, we've seen that in 2019. Um, but listen, I think the question is just about who can actually get the work done uh, and if we can move forward. And I don't see a, a splinter in our movement. I don't see a fracture in our movement, I actually think that this race is going to make all of us stronger. All right. Uh, let's get into uh, the weeds a little bit about uh, the politics of this all and get your response to uh, this issue we talk a lot about on the show, and that is polls. 
Uh, it seems, I would say once a week, maybe twice a week, a poll comes out. Uh, and it's, it's, it's very interesting, uh, Cam, that uh, whichever campaign releases a poll, that candidate is first in the poll or second or right there. I'm like, isn't that something? Yeah. So <laughs> the, the skeptic in me thinks that the pollsters got a little scam going where they just tell the candidate uh, what he or she wants to hear. Uh, or they got two polls, the real poll, which is what they're using uh, to dictate the tactics of their campaign. And then the fake poll, which are released to the public to make it seem like they have momentum. Do you think I'm being too skeptical and cynical for my own good in my analysis of the way campaigns use polls? Go ahead. Uh, Kim. I, I, I think you're right. I think we've seen, um, you know, we've seen every type of result in these polls slash surveys in the last couple of weeks. And you're right. Uh, whoever's running the poll, their name is uh, number one or, or two. And they're just, you know, this close to the runoff. Um, and, and so you know, so I, I take that with a grain of salt. Um, I think uh, the polling industry uh, still has some answers that they need to give us to, to tell us about Donald Trump 2016 and Lori Lightfoot 2019 um, that, that they haven't answered. Uh, and I'll tell you this, just to add a little levity to me and my, my father used to say, if, if someone has the temerity, the nerve to ask you who you're voting for or how much you make, you should lie to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, fatherly advice. Yeah. How old were you when he told you this? Like nine. <laughs> How did that conversation come up? <laughs> I, I, I think we were leaving a polling place, um, uh, Graver Park on 95th and Charles Street, uh, and sorry, 103rd and Charles Street, and, and someone outside was asking him before we went in. He just taking the vote with him all the time. So somebody before we went in was asking him who we were voting for for some position, and my dad said a name I had never heard before, and I said, dad, who's that person? Like, I don't know. I just said <laughs> If somebody has enough nerve to actually be voting for or how much money you make, you should have the nerve to lie to them. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, sound advice from a father to a son. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, all right. Uh, so that said, well, now here comes a question that, that would uh, totally uh, open up the door for him to potentially lie to me. What does your internal polls say? Uh, yeah, I know you must have them. Yeah, we, we, we've got them. Uh, and listen, uh, it says that um, you know, we've still got to do some work on name ID, obviously. Uh, but the people of Chicago are still largely undecided in this space. And, and even those folks who have said that they've got a horse in this race, uh, they're swayable. And they've yeah. said that, right? Because we asked that question in, in our polling. Um, you know, how how sure are you that you're voting for X, Y, or Z? Uh, and so, listen, I think uh, these this last month um, is going to be a, a horse race for us. We're going to be out talking to as many people as we can, find a way to, to get our messages, our message out. Um, the debates are, are helpful for us. I think I excel pretty well in that space uh, to let people know that there's a choice, right? For me, it's not enough just to be anti-Lori Lightfoot. You got to be pro-Chicago. People want to know what you're going to do differently. Uh, and as the only campaign who has rolled out very specific plans across issue areas, we, we put out 10 very, very specific wonkish even plans about what we're going to do in this in this office day one. And I think people are starting to gravitate to that. And so uh, we'll keep working in and, and doing what we can. Uh, I believe the people of Chicago will, will come around for sure. 
Well, one thing you won't do uh, if you're elected a mayor uh, based uh, on what you've said on the campaign and what you've introduced in Springfield is give a handout to the Chicago Bears to stay uh, in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am very passionate on this subject, but I'm not running for mayor. People don't want to hear what I have to say about this. Uh, I'll, I'll just begin it like this. I believe in a meritocracy, so you have to earn your handout. And when it comes to the field, the Bears have been absolutely worthless. It's one of the worst seasons I've ever been subjected to as a Bear fan. I've been a Bear fan way before you were born, Cam Buckner. And uh, I just shake my head. The same Republicans who are so hard when it comes to helping poor people who just need money to like pay the basic bills, pay their utilities, what have you. You're going to work. Just going to turn right around and give millions and millions of dollars to a team that's worthless. Yeah. yeah. So that's me on it. Take it away, Cam Buckner. Yes, and I, I've been very clear about this being um, I, I love the Chicago Bears. I'm a Bears fan. It is part of my childhood growing up in this city. Um, I was born the year of the Super Bowl. And so, um, you know, I, I, I feel a certain affinity to, to the team. Um, but. Uh, as far as being fiscally responsible and, and doing the right thing for the city of Chicago and the state of Illinois, I do not believe that the Bears should be getting a handout from us, um, number one, from the city level to to stay in Chicago, um, number two, from the state level to move to Arlington Heights. And I've fought back on all fronts on that. I've actually um, put legislation forward in Springfield to exempt the Bears from certain tax breaks that we are trying to get to bring companies uh, here uh, to grow our, our, our base and, and to grow our, our state population. Um, look, we, we've still got money that we, taxpayers, not the bears, but taxpayers owe on Soldier Field um, from the last renovation, $432 million, I believe it is. Um, and and the bears can't keep pulling this bait and switch, threatening to leave. Uh, they've got to be able to to show us that they care about Chicago. And Ben, I'm not just saying this as a, as a Chicagoan or a football fan or a guy who has Soldier Field in his district. Um, people may not know, but I spent... Uh, some years working for the Chicago Cubs in the front office, working on the Wrigley Field Renovation Project. Uh, and one thing I will take my hat off to the Ricketts family is that they never threatened to leave. Um, the, the DuPage, Rosemont uh, conversations were swirling, but that didn't come from the front office. Um, and, and Tom Ricketts and his family said no to that immediately uh, to stop that because uh, what they believe is that Chicago Cup fans deserve to see Chicago Cup baseball in Wrigley Field. Uh, and they were going to find a way to make that happen, even if it cost them more money as an organization, and it did. Um, the last thing I'll say about this is that um, I've been trying to elevate uh, a deeper conversation about the fact that the NFL has done cities wrong. Uh, the NFL has created this Hunger Games of new stadium, Super Bowl sweepstakes, um, and what it has done is left cities fighting uh, with their with their constituencies about giving money to build brand new stadiums just so somebody can get the Super Bowl. Um, listen, the NFL's got to do a better job of, of, of what they do in that space. And I don't want the Bears not just to stay here, but to be a better partner in the city of Chicago. Um, you know, I've, I've talked about for years the fact that when the Bears went to Bourbon A to have camp in Oliver Nads of the Ring, they helped build that university up and God bless them. Uh, but there's a little university on 95th Street on the south side of Chicago that, that has plenty of land. I wish that they would camp there. Um, I just wish there were more things that they did for Chicago Public League football, which I'm an alum of, um, and, and the people in Chicago who love this team. But just like the city, they just want this team to love them back. Mm-hmm. Well put. There, uh, yeah, uh, Chicago Public League football. What a disgrace! A lot of schools don't have enough money uh, to buy basic equipment. The players are sharing equipment. 
Uh, absolutely. They're, we're going to spend all that money on the Bears and we won't even fund our public school sports program. Yeah. Don't get me started. Yeah. Not get me started in this one. By the way, you proved my point when you said I was born the year the Bears made the Super Bowl. Folks, that wasn't last year, okay? <laughs> he was born, you either were born the year before they made, they played in a Super Bowl of the year, that, I don't know which one, 85 or 86. Maybe 86, I was born in May of 85. Okay, May of 85, you were born in the year the Bears had that great season. Uh, let's just pause and think about that great season. <laughs> They're still milking that great season. How many years later? 38 years later, almost 38 years later, yeah. And your b- beloved Cubs, by the way. I let you slide on that Cubs thing. I'm going to let that pass. Don't get me started on the yeah, right Listen, I've been clear. <laughs> I was born and raised the White Sox fan. I learned baseball in Comiskey Park. Um, I tell people all the time, I grew up in Chicago adhering to the gospel, according to Harold. It's Harold Baines, Harold Washington, and Harold's Chicken. Um, and so <laughs> never take that from me, but I did work for the Cubs for three years. All right. <laughs> That's a good line. I may steal that one. Uh, all right. Uh, uh, Cam Buckner. So, um, as long as we're talking football, uh, and you play, by the way, you don't care, I presume, as the mayor city of Chicago, if the citizens of Arlington Heights, in their infinite wisdom, decide to raise their property taxes, uh, to hand over to the Chicago Bears, provided I assume that it's no state money, uh, going to the Bears. Am I correct, uh, in, in that analysis? In the words of Bobby Brown, is their prerogative. <laughs> <laughs> And I am not going to sing that song right now. Although that one will be in my mind uh, for all day. All right. Uh, what Cam uh, didn't mention, he was a great football player himself at Morgan Park High School uh, here in the city of Chicago. So he knows a thing or two about football. So we'll close with a little non-political talk and a little football talk. The Super Bowl will be uh, two weeks. Two weeks. Great games yesterday. I don't know if you got a chance to watch it. Probably out campaigning. In your humble opinion, who will be the winner of the Super Bowl? And I know the answer is not the Chicago Bears because they are not in the Super Bowl one more time. So go ahead, Cam. Who will be this year's uh, Super Bowl champs? Yeah, this is a tough one for me. Um, I, I love everything about Kansas City. Uh, got some a couple of guys I know who play on that team. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm going to find myself rooting for them. Uh, but I, I love Philly's fight. They're playing some great football right now. Um, and it's good to kind of see them back in that space. Uh, I became a pseudo Philly fan in the Donovan McNabb years because Donovan obviously is a South Side guy, Mount Carmel guy. Um, but I, you know, I think I'm gonna be rooting a little bit harder for Kansas City this weekend or in a couple weekends uh, when they take the field. You know, and I just have to. Everything comes back to the Bears. I am such a diehard Bear fan. I got to tell you this. So I got mad at the Bears, uh, Cam, when they drafted Mitch Trubisky over Patrick Mahomes. When I saw Patrick Mahomes. I didn't see him. I don't follow a college game that closely. I follow the program. I saw this man. I'm like, how could you not draft this man? This is a gift. I've never seen a guy with a gift like this. I've been watching football a long time. Uh, and when I say that to longtime Bear fans, they defend the Bears' decision by telling me this. This is what they tell me, Cam. Ben, you don't understand. The Bears are so dysfunctional. Patrick Mahomes would not be Patrick Mahomes if they was drafted by the Bears. He'd be a bum like Mitch Trubisky. I'm like... What what is the logic in that, Cam Buckner? I've heard that before. I don't really know what that means. Um, it, it is circular bear logic, I think. Um, and listen, I, I, when I saw Patrick Mahomes in college, I, I was blown away. Um, I was a college defensive lineman, man. I don't like quarterbacks, uh, but there's something special about him. And, and I, I was also disappointed that he didn't come here. And so I don't understand that line of logic, but 
If it makes us sleep better at night, then I'll take it. All right. Uh, Cam, thank you so much for coming on the show. You want to give any party words before I let you out the door? Anything you want to say to our listeners before uh, you go back to your day? Yeah, I'll just tell the people of Chicago that uh, we have a we you have a chance and a choice in, in this election, and um, you know we have uh, I think the obligation to move forward. Um, I do believe Chicago's brightest brightest days are ahead of us, but we got to really get these dark days behind us first. Um, we can do that. All right, very good, Cam Buckner, State Representative Cam Buckner, mayoral candidate Cam Buckner. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you, man. All right, very good. That's Cam Buckner. I also want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Doctor D. And as I said on Friday, uh, this is Doctor's last day with the show on a regular basis. Uh, he's going to pursue uh, an acting career. <laughs> I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. He just put his camera on that little baby of his. Denise is so cute. Uh, God, I got to take a picture of this one. Hold on, Denise. Smile for the camera. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Smile for the camera. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, the, uh, the young doctor and I have been partners, uh, for five years now. And, uh, so it's kind of a sad moment, but what a great future you got, Dr. D. So, uh, one last time, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everything, man. Just, and, uh, we said on Friday when we announced this, <laughs> he's holding that baby up, the cutest feet in the world, those little slippers on. Um, that you would come back uh, once a month for oh, what a month, and uh, and then today I heard from your agent. Ah, I don't know. We we, we got to work out the fine details. Yeah, work out the details. Yeah, baby Denise gave me a call. He goes, yeah, you want Papa? Yeah, we got to work out the details, right, baby Denise? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you could see this. That is one cute baby. Uh, so anyway, uh, best of luck to you, Doctor D. Dennis, and thank you for everything you've done. For sure. Thank uh, you. One, one last time, I got to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of all in Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. And as baby Denise and Cam Buckner will tell you, back home at home, they call him Dr. D, and the D stands for Demarvelous. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash, and give it to Denise. Peace and love, everyone. find cars like these on auto trader like that car riding right your tail or if you're tailgating right now all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on auto trader too are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time well multitasking pro cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader